Uncover and Elevate is the next evolution of Liberate Your People Pleaser. I'm Brenda Florida, Certified Life Coach, and after coaching hundreds of clients, I am unapologetically clear on this. People pleasing is a symptom with a deeper cause. Being in a toxic relationship or career and feeling trapped has a deeper cause. Avoiding difficult conversations has a deeper cause. Self-sabotage, imposter syndrome, confusion, feeling insecure, all have a deeper cause. In Uncover and Elevate, we are going to look under the hood every week to uncover what the deeper causes are that shape our lives, including the ones that make breaking a pattern, even one we want to break, so hard. Then we will elevate our lives with tools designed to transform those deeper causes and deal with the symptoms. Join me each week as we uncover and elevate our lives. And now, here's this week's episode of Uncover and Elevate. Today, we are going to talk about a topic that I don't hardly ever discuss. I'm not sure we've ever done a podcast episode on the topic of grief. Not for any reason, um, but um, it's just not a topic I talk about a lot, but I experienced my mother passing away a few days ago. So it was December 30th of 2022. And if you're listening to this in real time, it is being released on January 8th. I'm recording it a few days before. So it's been less than a week for me. And I wanted to share with you the experience because it has been very surprising to me. It's been, I did sort of intentionally approach it in a way that many would consider unconventional. I do want to say on the onset here that grief is not something that can be prescribed or ordered or, you know, it should take this amount of time or look this way or any of those things. I believe very much in the concept that we each deserve to have and experience grief the way that we have it, the way that we experience it. And so the first thing I want to say is there's no rules for this. I'm not setting any of this up as the way it should be <laughs> or the way you should do it. Um, but just as a, a different way, maybe to look at grief or another way to sort of I don't know, expand what's possible maybe through it. So I'll start by saying, and some of you know this from following my work, my relationship with my mother was fairly problematic. Uh, on the surface, people wouldn't think so. I was always very close to my mother, you know, as a kid growing up, as a teenager, um, we talked often, we emailed a lot, we text a lot, we, you know, lots of communication, um, so there were no real outward signs of any sort of estrangement. Part of the reason why it looked so great was because the problems that were inherent in our relationship was the codependency between us, um, the enmeshment that we had. So of course that started with my mother enmeshing in me. So in the concept of enmeshment, you know, it's when two people are so sort of attached and dependent on each other that if you're unhappy, I'm unhappy. 
if you have a problem, I have a problem. And I don't mean that in any sort of metaphorical way. I mean it in a super literal way. So, you know, my mom would have me solve problems for her. And as a child, I did that because that's all I knew, right? That's what I thought you did to get your mom's love and approval. And it didn't seem strange to me at all until, you know, it. and those things she had me solve included as she and my dad were divorcing, um, problems with him, fights that she need, you know, wanted needed to have with him, but didn't want to have the conversation. And so she would send me to him with the information or hand me the phone when he called or whatever. Um, and I would take care of all that because I felt like, well, that's, you know, that's what I'm supposed to do. I mean, I didn't even think about it. So, you know, that's how it all starts when we're little, right? Our parents overlay on us wherever it is they're coming from emotionally, spiritually, religiously, you know, mentally, all the things our parents overlay that to us before we have a choice about it, so to speak. You know, a, a child doesn't have the freedom or capacity to analyze that and decide whether or not they want to do it that way, right? They just do it because that's what their parents told them to do. So as I grew, it took until I was in my late 20s before I started to understand what was so dysfunctional about my relationship with my mom. Like I said, a lot of people like admired us for how close we were, but it wasn't a healthy closeness. It was a closeness, you know, without boundaries. It wasn't um, being empathetic towards each other. It was that if my mom was upset, I was upset. I couldn't separate myself and have, you know, sort of separate different feelings from her or belief system from her. And so I worked through a lot of those things in a lot of years of therapy in my thirties, um, especially started in my late twenties, but my thirties, especially, and even into my forties and, and through the years, always while she has been alive, because even though I did things to separate myself, because that's just an internal job, it doesn't require the other person. Um, then I started setting boundaries and things with her to create more, you know, separation on a sort of physical logistical level, how often I would talk to her, you know, on the phone or how often I would go see her or the kinds of things I would even talk to her about. Um, because when you're enmeshed, one of the other things about that is like, no conversation is off limits. So, you know, I would talk to my mother about anything in my life. I mean, anything. And so I got to where I, when I started creating my own healthy boundaries and my own sense of self without my mother, I started realizing, well, actually, I don't want to talk to my mother about certain things, certain things about my romantic life or my marriages or my problems in them or, you know, whatever, whatever. I'll talk to a girlfriend. I'll talk to my therapist or coach about that, but I'm not going to talk to my mother about it. Um, and those kinds, so some of you may be like, well, yeah, duh, of course. But when you are enmeshed with a parent, you don't have that sort of innate uh, sense of, you know, I'm not going to talk to my 
parents about this kind of thing. Um, I did not have that with my dad. My dad's relationship was very problematic for me in a totally different way, more in his unwillingness to be emotionally available, a lot of abandonment issues. So got a lot of that from my dad. Uh, I would say probably both of my parents were narcissists. They um, are pretty classic in the definition of a narcissist, you know, being there are many definitions, but um, part of it being this idea that a narcissist really only wants to see what they want to see. So they want you to reflect to them the same image of themselves that they see, which is very delightful, right? They see themselves as very practically flawless. And so if you try to tell them they did something wrong or they did something, you know, hurtful to you or whatever, they don't want to see that because they don't want to see themselves as being that kind of person. And uh, so both of my parents were that way. And so that doesn't leave any room for the child or the adult child to be seen or be heard for who they are, to be valued for who they are as an individual. You're valued for how you reflect yourself or life back to your parents or what you do for them or whatever. And of course they would never say that, okay? My mother would never say that and would think the total opposite about herself. And that's part of what makes it also very confusing when you're a child. But these things have been going on for many years and there's lots of therapy books about it and lots of therapists who are super skilled at this sort of thing. And uh, so it's nothing new either. So as I, what I realize now that my mother has passed is that all that work that I did through the years to process, deal with whatever word you want to use, be able to understand the relationship with my mother, understand and acknowledge the parts of it that hurt me, that were sure she was doing her best and it was very harmful to me some of the things that she did um, and to be able to sort of free myself from the mental constructs that created for me, the limitations that created for me, the way that kept me away from knowing who I was authentically. As I healed those parts and started coming back to, you know, who I am authentically, not who my mother thinks I am or who my father thinks I am or wanted me to be or any of those things, then I can start to also let go of the resentment or the anger, you know, or whatever I was, you know, all the feelings that I had towards my mother. And again, same thing, different stories um, but a very similar process with my dad. It's just that when my dad passed away, I hadn't, I never spent very much time with my dad. So it, it had some qualities about it that were a little bit different. I never saw him in the last, I don't think I had seen him for like a year, maybe before he passed away. None of us were invited, me and my sisters to even be with him in any of his last days, you know, all the things. So I was very like physically distant also from my dad. With my mom, that wasn't the case. I mean, I saw my mom a lot in these last couple of years, especially since I've been living here in Southern California again, and she was in San Diego and um, saw her several times in the last month before she passed. In fact, I was going to visit her a few hours after she passed. Um, 
So I missed that last visit there. But um, so I was much physically, you know, more physically close to my mom and, and maintained a relationship with my mother. But as we knew, you know, that she was in her final days and I thought about her passing, I also allowed myself or gave myself permission, however you want to think of it, to not be sad if that's really not what happened for me. Like there's a very culturally prescriptive idea of what adult children are supposed to be like when their parents are dying. This idea that, you know, no matter how awful your parents were to you, you need to be there, you know, on their deathbed or in their final days or to take care of them at the end because they're your parents and you owe them that, and you know, that kind of thing. I've never believed, even that when I was really young, like didn't even understand the dysfunction in my family, uh, that part never made sense to me. And um, so in that way, I allowed myself to have a different experience than what we see played out for us on TV usually and what many of our friends have experienced or even that they would. Um, I, I had friends who told me they thought I would really regret not going to see my dad um, towards the end. And they felt very strongly about that. But I didn't. I never regretted it. I don't regret it. It's been a lot of years now since he passed. And um, it was honest for me. It was in my truth to not need to go see him at the end. And um, that's, you know, that's, it's never bothered me. So kind of in a similar way, even though I was seeing my mother, I gave myself permission to not, to, to be okay if I didn't feel sad. I also gave myself permission to feel sad, right? Like whatever, imagining what, how you're going to feel when your parent dies is very different than when they actually die. And then you really know how you're going to feel. So I just gave myself permission for any of it to not feel things that traditionally people will feel towards their parents um, or to feel it, like whatever would happen. I just gave myself permission and space to have whatever experience I was gonna have. And the interesting thing for me, and I think that this was because I did so much work on my relationship with my mom before she passed, when it actually happened, it was very peaceful for me. It was, I mean, it was very peaceful for her too. Um, but on an emotional level, I didn't feel sad. Um, I felt relief for myself and the ways that being in relationship with my mom continued to be painful. And I chose to sort of suck it up because she was, you know, in her late eighties and I knew she wasn't going to change. And I I didn't want to, at that point, do anything to sort of um, estrange our relationship. I mean, I chose that. I think pe some people do not choose that. And I think that is just fine. You know, I think if you need to stay away from your parents entirely or either one of them, I totally support that if that is what's in your truth to do. But for me, I just sort of made that conscious choice. I had created enough boundaries. I was secure, secure, I guess is a good enough word, confident enough, grounded enough in myself and who I am that, you know, even though she would do stuff that would irritate me or be super judgmental or whatever, 
I could sort of chalk it up to yes. And that's my mom. You know, my mom's just being my mom. That's who she is and let it go. And so we maintained a relationship until the end and I loved her and she loved me in the way that she could. And, but I just allowed in this passing for whatever I felt to be okay. So I did not happen to feel sadness. I felt the relief. I felt the relief that the ways that our relationship was painful for me are now over. It's done. And it was so interesting because what happened was it was like this level of release for those toxic and painful things that I had processed and dealt with and forgiven, you know, her for and, you know, thought I had released and all those things, which I mean, I did releasing and letting go of something, I think, is like, we can only do it at the level we understand in that moment. And then when we understand it at a deeper level or we let go at a deeper level that's when we realized there was a deeper level I never you know thought oh I'm still holding on to stuff with my mom and when she passes I can really let it go that what I felt like I had let it all go but when she actually passed I felt this even deeper level of letting it go that was so freeing and so liberating. And for her as well, in my in my own mind, right? My mind's eye of my mother right now and her soul. She's not bound by those judgments. She's not bound by the scarcity and the self-criticism that shaped her own experience with herself. My mother was incredibly self-critical, self-judgmental. My mother was very fearful. Uh, lived in a lot of scarcity, a lot of fear, a lot of anxiety. And so I knew she was free from that too. So it, like it allowed me to see her even in sort of her more, I don't, I'll say like pure ways, the things that were truly her, the, the parts of her that were loving, the parts of her that were caring, the parts of her um, that wanted to help other people, right? Like now all those parts that sometimes distorted those things uh, or just cluttered <laughs> my view of her, they were gone. And so not only was I left with my ability to see myself without her judgment, I could see her without it as well. And it was just really beautiful. And so it's made, so I, I'm saying this to them, we're having this unusual podcast because I, first of all, I just want you to know whether it's a parent or someone else you love, that however you need to grieve them, you have the right to that. Your experience could be completely different than mine. You could be, you know, crying and screaming and banging on the walls. It, it, it's, there's no right way to grieve. So first of all, I just want to say that and offer you my own love and compassion because no one has the right to tell us how to grieve. No one has the right to tell us how to feel in any way, right? We feel how we feel. And to allow you also, if you also have a problematic relationship with either or both of your parents, 
to not have to go through it in a way that feels maybe like it's a cultural norm. I did definitely did not go through this in what, if I had been imagining what other people would be thinking, it wouldn't have happened the way it did because I did not allow that. I did not allow myself to say, well, I only live two hours away, hour and a half. If there's not too much traffic, I should be going to see my mom every week. That might be what a lot of people would have expected. It might be what a lot of people think they should do or that I should have done or whatever. But I allowed myself to visit when I felt like that was in my truth. And so that's what I did. I honored my own truth. I'm sure my mother would have loved it if I had come every day. Oh, I know my mother would have loved it if I had come every day, but it wouldn't have been good for me to do that. And so I stay, so the, and this is so fundamental to the concept of people pleasing, which we talk about a lot, this, you know, codependency, which envelops that, um, which is that we can get conditioned into believing that what someone else wants from us or needs from us is more important than what we need. So in this example, my mother, let's make it more dramatic. My dying mother wants me to visit more often. And so in codependence or in people pleasing, that is more important to me than my own need to not go that often, whether it's because of just the physical exhaustion of all the driving or being away from home, or it doesn't matter. I don't have to rationalize it. I don't need reasons, but I know, you know, where your truth is on something. And if you don't, then that's where coaching and therapy and all the things, you know, you need them because if you can't find your own barometer, that's where it begins, right? We have to start by knowing what our own needs are. And then we can see what we want to do. And sure, sometimes I might be influenced by something somebody else needs in that, you know, like whatever, my sister's going to be gone. And so I didn't really want to go this weekend, but she's going to be gone and nobody's going to be there to visit my mom. And so I'm going to do it, right? I can be influenced by it, but not, I don't make it the priority. So what happens in people pleasing and codependency is that my need to not go doesn't matter if you have a need for me to go. I just need to do that because you need it. And then we can package it in all kinds of wonderful, you know, packaging, like it's I'm being selfless, I'm, you know, being compassionate, I'm being noble, Christian, whatever, by doing this. But when we sacrifice ourselves and what we want and need, quote unquote, for another person, there is a backlash to that. There is a personal payment for that, that we end up making, whether we realize it or not. And when we do it too often, then we just end up, the, the payment that we make is that we silence ourselves. I mean, each one is a little silence. So the way a thousand cuts can kill a thousand little silences will do the same. 
And so it doesn't have to be some great grandiose gesture of sacrifice or something like that. It can just be a tiny bunch of tiny little ones. But when the habit is, I'm going to put what I need aside because you need something different, that's where we start going down that slippery slope of codependency and people pleasing. So I think I kind of like the word influence, like I, I'm, I want it to influence me. I want what my mother needs, what my sister needs, what, you know, a client needs. I want that to influence me. But if I need to say no, I still need to say no. If I can't accommodate a last minute schedule change, then I can't do it. You know, whatever the scenario is, you can put your own, you know, insert your own situation. It's not that it doesn't matter what other people think and feel and need. It's that it can only be an influencer. It can't be the determination of what we do because your truth, my truth has to be the most important thing for me because if not, I'm sacrificing myself. And the divine, in, in my belief system, the divine made you, created you as a unique expression of itself. We are all just like, sparks of God that are different ways that God would express itself, right? In human form. And so that's your only job is to be that expression, whether your mother likes it or not. And trust me, my mother didn't like a lot of my expressions. <laughs> um, it is not my job. It is not my job to make my mother comfortable and only display things that she likes, <laughs> you know, or only be ways that she wants me to be. That's how I lived my first 28 years of my life. And it almost killed me, like literally, like I was so depressed. I couldn't, I, like I just laid on the couch all the time <laughs> um, and barely took care of my kids, barely went to work part-time because I was so depressed. I just didn't have anything left to give because I had kept, give, I had spent 28 years of giving myself of denying myself, of killing myself so that I could be what somebody else wanted me to be, whether it was my mother or my father or a husband or whatever. So it is taking a toll, even if you're not sure what that toll is, when you deny the truth of who you are and even bigger yet, knowing the truth of who you are. So there's First, we have to know it. <laughs> then we have the chance to deny it. But there are so many of us, when I started on my journey, I didn't even know what I wanted. I wouldn't, I didn't know what I needed. Like, you know, you could say, yeah, Brenda, okay, tell me what you need. Tell me what you need. I'll make that happen. I wouldn't have even known what to tell you. So the first step is we've got to get back in touch with ourselves to know who we are and what we need. That's a great time to have me as your coach, because that's what I do with a lot of clients. Like that's a, that's right in my field of expertise to help people rediscover themselves because I had to do it. I know what it's like to not know who you are, to only be able to see yourself through the roles that you play. You're the wife, you're the mother, you're the employee, you're the business owner, you're the, you know, daughter, son, what, whatever it is seeing ourselves through those roles instead of who we are. You are not your roles. You are 
bigger than that. You are more than that. You are deeper than that. And discovering who that is, is the primary importance. Then there's learning how and allowing yourself to express it because I had a lot of internal, you know, mindset issues and stuff that made me think that I couldn't be who I was, that that somehow wasn't okay. So then there's, you know, learning to let those go and allow yourself to be who you are. And then there's how that shifts and change changes some of your relationships. Many of my relationships are much better because of it. Some of them, it cost me the relationship because they didn't want me to be my true self. They wanted me to be who they wanted me to be. And so when I wasn't willing to play that role, they didn't want to be in my life anymore, or I didn't want them in my life. And so, you know, there's some, some things go by the wayside, other things are picked up. And I mean, my relationships are so joyful, so full of love now. Uh, I mean, I would never trade it. I would never trade any moment of my journey. I'm grateful for all of it. I'm grateful for the things, you know, the pain that my parents caused me because it helped me get to where I am. It helped me to understand the truth of who I am and to get to this current expression that you all experience of who I am. And, you know, five years from now, I probably won't be the same because I am ever evolving, right? There's no place to get to. The journey never gets over. I'm not going somewhere. <laughs> I'm just continuing to expand. I'm continuing to understand the truth of who I am at a deeper level and feel free enough to express that. And so that's the only point, right? That's what we're called to is this, the highest expression that you have been created to be. Whether that upsets the apple cart with your parents, with your lover, with your kids, whoever, is not nearly as important as the fact that you become the unique expression you are. That is when the world is served. That's when you are served. And yeah, there are sometimes people near us that don't like it, um, but that's a tale as old as time too, as they say. So um, I hope that in some way this was helpful to you. I would love to hear from you if you've had also a maybe unusual experience with grief or you wish you could have given yourself um, permission for that, um, things that you needed to work through with your parents, whatever it is, I just know I am all the more passionate about helping people find the truth of who they are and work through in the way that I can help somebody work through the issues that they've had with their parents so that there can be a releasing of it. So there can be a freedom of it because I think it's because I did all that work, you know, and maybe your parents have already passed. It's never too late. Like it doesn't go away. I do think I benefited from doing it before they passed so that when they did pass, it was a fairly, um, easy and freeing experience for me. Um, so I'm grateful for that as well. But wherever you are in that part of your journey, I just want you to know that it is so worth it to process these things, to uncover them, to see how they've impacted you, to acknowledge that, to forgive yourself or forgive others where that is necessary, which doesn't mean you're saying what they did was okay. There are a lot of things that have happened to me in my life 
that I have forgiven. That's the word I'll use. Sometimes I don't even ever want to use that word again, but um, it's something like, not that I've let them off the hook. I know very well that what they did to me was harmful and that's not okay. And they are responsible for that hundred percent. And I can kind I can release through this thing I'll call forgiveness. I can feel and then release the harm that that had on me so that it's no longer the same kind of harm, right? Like it's not impacting me on a day-to-day basis. It's not influencing me. It's something that happened to me. And like, I broke my leg when I was 10, but now I can run a marathon. It's more like that. Um, I can't run a marathon and I didn't break my leg when I was 10. (laughs) But that seemed like a good metaphor. Um, So it's there, they happened, it was harmful. It was real. The people that did them are responsible for that. And I can move on in release of that, not being defined by that, described by that, and liberating myself beyond it. So I would love to talk to you about this. Um, Go to the show notes if you want to book a 15-minute call and explore working with me or drop a comment wherever you're listening to this podcast. I think these are really important issues that will serve all of us to dive into because this is where that, you know, I talk a lot about looking under the hood that we can't just get stuck on whatever the symptom of the the problem is in our life. We've got to get under that and find out why that is and, and how that's happening at a deeper level so that we can really heal it and transform it at that deeper level. Sort of like, you know, you don't put a Band-Aid on that broken leg. So I don't want to put band-aids on people. That's not the kind of coach I am. I am a coach that's going to help you get under the hood, get to where that broken leg is and mend that broken leg because it can be, and you can be running a marathon in your future. So I love you. Thank you for letting me share this very intimate and open. Um, information with you about how I process the grief with my mother and um, I send you all in love and look forward to seeing you in our next episode. Thank you for joining me for this week's episode of Uncover and Elevate. Check out the show notes for tons of great information and resources like if you're interested in being a guest on the podcast so we can uncover and elevate an issue in your life, just complete the form in the show notes. You can follow me on Instagram at Brenda Florida Coach. You can work with me one-on-one or get additional information about one of my group or private retreats by completing the form in the show notes. And I would love it if you would share this episode on social and tag me. I'd also love for you to post a five-star review wherever you get your podcasts. It makes such a big difference and will help others find the show. And I'll be incredibly grateful. This is Brenda Florida, Certified Life Coach, and I'll see you in the next episode of Uncover and Elevate.